0: Okay, this is the Chumash of Friday. So, if we remember the storyline that we did yesterday, we were discussing Lemach, who was the sixth generation from Cain. And we explained in that very corrupt society the concept of the two wives, one for children, one for relationships and how both of his wives bore children, and how all of these children were actually quite corrupt people themselves, except for Tuval sister, Naamah. Now, continuing, verse 23, chapter 4. And Lemah said to his wives, Ada and Silah, heed my voice, wives of Lemah. Give ear to my speech. Have I slain a man by my wound and a child by my bruise? What is he talking about? Okay, so Rashi gives us two explanations. What is he talking about? The first one is, well, both of them, they were refusing to have relationships with him. That's what he was saying, like, hey, what are you doing? But for different reasons. In the first explanation, well, what happened was that Lamech killed Cain and his son Tubokain. In other words, Lamech was blind. And he was led by his son, Tuvokayin. And Tuvokayin saw what he thought was an animal, but was actually his seven generations elder uh, grandfather, Kayin. And he told his father, "Shoot!" And he did. And then, when he did, he realized he killed Kayin. When he realized that he felt so bad, he struck his palms together and accidentally hit his son between them, killing him as well. So his wife said, forget it, we're not having relationships with you. You murdered our child, you murdered your great-great-great-grandfather, the ancestor of this whole line of wicked, horrible people. We're not having relationships with you. So he's saying, according to this explanation, Remember he said have I slain a man by my wound and a child by my bruise So he's saying the man that I killed meaning Cain did I wound him intentionally that it's my wound that I'm responsible for wounding him and the child meaning Tuval Cain that I killed was he killed by my bruise again meaning intentionally did I intentionally bruise did I intentionally wound Meaning, I acted unintentionally. Why should I be held responsible? This is not my wound. This is not a wound I should be held responsible for. This is not my bruise. This is not a bruise I should be held responsible for. And Rashi there explains wound meaning, what does it mean My wound? The blow of a sword or an arrow in is considered my wound, like we would say, to wound someone. Now that's one explanation of it, and we're going to read in the next Pesach afterwards a different way of understanding this verse. So let's get to the next verse. So Lemach goes on talking. For Kayin suffered vengeance at seven generations, then Lemach at 77. So what does this mean? So Rash explains, he's saying, listen, Cain killed intentionally. He was very deliberate. And his punishment was suspended for seven generations. Only after his Lemach children were born, who were the seventh generation, would the Cain get punished in this ultimate punishment of death. So if I killed unintentionally, shouldn't my punishment be suspended for many sevens of generations? Not meaning that Lemach expected to suffer vengeance after 77 generations. Not like he thought he'd be around that. He's choosing a large number based on the seven concept, meaning if Cain was seven, I deserve far less of punishment than Kayan, so many sevens away. Um, as Rashi explains in the next Rashi, 77, Shivan Vishiva, meaning he's expressing these multiples of sevens for himself. Everything that Rashi said so far was how Rab explained this. Now Rashi gives you another explanation which is in the Medrash Breshis Rabbah. In the Medrash Braish Rabba, it explains it differently. Not not saying nothing to do with Lemuk killing Kayan. I mean we don't see that anywhere in the postbook, so it's very far from the Pshat. But there was another problem. His wives both had fulfilled their commandment of having children, meaning they both produce children, but so at this point they said, we're not having this with you anymore. Why? He said, what's your problem? Why not? He said, listen, we know there's a decree that the entire progeny, all the descendants of Cain, will be wiped out after seven generations. So what should we do? To give birth for? We can give birth and then God's gonna destroy everything. You know, the mob the flood's gonna come and, and, and flood out the world, what's the point? So then Lemuel said, wait a minute, did I kill this man? Meaning, did I kill he- Hevel? Who, again, in the verse, we're talking about killing a man and killing a child. So Hevel, on one hand, physically was like a man, but in years, he was like a child. Now, there are different explanations how old Hevel was when he was killed. According to this explanation, there's one explanation that says he was only 50 days old when he was killed. There are, there's not an explanation that he was 40 years old when he was killed. So there are various different midrashim on how old he was. But if we follow that explanation that Hevel is 50 days old, he's a man in stature, he's a child in years. So did I kill him that my speech should be wiped out? So if Cain, Alemah, is continuing his Interesting, uh, here is a reasoning. If Kayan should be dealt with leniently, if Kayan was dealt with leniently, all the more so should I be dealt with leniently because I didn't even do anything. Now, Rashi says this is a very foolish thinking because if it's true, then God could never punish. In other words, Lama is saying I didn't do anything wrong, so if Kayan did something wrong and his punishment was suspended, why should we, who didn't do something wrong, like suffer the consequence? Now, obviously, P.S., me, Rashi doesn't go into this, but obviously, if these people were completely righteous, they wouldn't be punished for their ancestors' sin. And obviously, for God to wipe out the descendants of Cain, they independently deserved it because of their own evil, as obviously we have seen by their actions thus far, that all of his descendants truly deserve to be wiped out. And when the flood came and washed away all of these people, we don't see the reason given because Cain murdered. We see the reason given because of their own evil. So both are interdependent. Cain's evil led to the decree. Their evil is what made it come about in their time. The next verse, now we have something that seemingly is out of left field, but Rosh will explain how it connects. The next verse says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, and named him Sheis, saying, Because God has provided me, li elokim the same etymology, God has provided me another child in place of Havil, that kind killed. So. Rashi explains what's the connection between this whole issue with Lemach and suddenly Adam having another child. So Lemach and his wife came to Adam. Adam was the ultimate judge here to complain about his wives. So Adam said to them, "Now this is following the logic of the second interpretation. Meaning, what do we have children for? The world's going to be wiped out anyway. Which would be why it would make sense. It would follow." It would be put second here because it would lead into this explanation. So Adam said to the women, this isn't your issue. You do your end and God will do his. They said to him, excuse me, practice what you preach. You've disassociated yourself from your wife for 130 years. Since death brought, you brought death into the world. So in other words, you felt, well, I brought death into the world. I'm not having any more children, so to speak. It was not necessarily what he was saying. It was part of his penitence. It was part of his process of repentance. But you, you separated from your wife for 130 years, and you're telling us to connect to our wife, our husband? So Adam accepted this. He felt they were right. And he once again knew Chava, had relationships with her. And Rashi says, "Why well, I'd say again, to teach you that he again had this, even though it's been 130 years, but that again he had this desire for her like he had 130 years before. Um, Next verse. And as for She, him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then it was begun to call in the name of Hashem. So Rashi explains what does this mean here This means that at that point, they began to call the names of men and of these various idols, deities, by the name of Hashem, meaning they began to make idols. So this generation, Dor Enosh, Enosh was the leader of this generation, is where we first have idolatry, meaning however evil these people were, and of course we saw in Yavol and in Yuval and in Tuval Kayin, we saw the beginnings of this, but with Enosh, that is when it really comes to this full-fledged idolatry. And now we have listing the generations of man. So in chapter 5, verse 1, this is the account of the descendants of Adam on the day of God's creating of man made him the likeness of God. So Rashi says there are many midrashim on this verse, but we're just saying it, it was interesting. I was thinking to myself as I was learning the Rashi's over this Parsha. There are so many times in this portion where Rashi tells us that. You know, there's a lot of ways to explain this according to the midrashim. That's not my job. I just explain according to the literal meaning, but there's a lot of midrashim to really understand what's going on here. I can't tell you them. It's not within my paradigm. I only tell you the literal meaning, but there's a lot of midrashim that might help you understand these verses. On the day of God's creating, the so why are we saying on the day of God's creating, them? So says to teach us that literally on the day when he was created, on Rosh Hashanah, on that first day of man being in this world, the sixth day of creation, they already had children on that very day. Um, next verse, he created them male and female. He blessed them and called them the na- their name man on the day they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had in his likeness, and his image, a child, and he named him Shayth As we just explained, the Rashi says, and so this point, why why did it take 130 years for him to have another child? Because as we just explained, he was separated from Chava for those 130 years as part of his repentance process. And when he, once again, connected to her, he had Shayth, from whom, from Sheyth, comes the godly line, meaning... We have Kayin and Hevel. Hevel was killed. From Kayin came a line of very, very, very evil people, generally. And then we have Sheyth. And from Sheyth is coming the godly energy into the world. Ultimately, of course, from Shayth is going to come Nayach, who will be then the father of all future mankind. The Sheyth, the Nayach's wife, was Naamah, and Nahama is coming from the line of Cain. And now we have not Rashi. Um, the next Rashi we're going to have is on the last verse, but a whole listing of the generations. So just reading them quickly. Then Adam, after he had Shays, he lived another 800 years, having sons and daughters. We don't know their names. Shays was, you know, in each generation we have the main so to speak, leader of the generation, and then many other people that we don't know their names. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. It says that Adam was supposed to live a thousand years as a first, as a complete, completion of number, a thousand. No man lived a thousand. Um, Adam was supposed to, but Adam saw in the future how King David would be born, stillborn. And Adam generated donated to him 70 years of his own life to give David 70 years of life, so therefore Adam lived 930 years. Shays lived 105 years and had Enosh. That was his main first child. Shays lived 807 years after having Enosh, and he had sons and daughters. All the days of Shays were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 90 years, and he had Canaan. Enosh lived 815 years after having Canaan, and he had sons and daughters. All the days of were 905 years, and he died. I think they, they generally lived quite 900 plus years. This was the first millennium, and the first millennium God's kindness was ruling the world, which is why people had generally perfect health, and these long lives, very physically tall and strong, and the world was an amazingly bountiful place, all free-flowing kindness. Canaan lived 70 years and he had Mahalo. Canaan lived 840 years after he had Mahalo and he had sons and daughters. All the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. Mahalo lived 65 years and he had Yared. Mahalo lived 830 years after having Yared and he had sons and daughters. All the days of Mahalo were 839 and he died. He passed away. He passed away. Yared lived 162 years a bit longer, and he had enoch, chanoch. And he lived 800 years after having chanoch, and he had sons and daughters. All the days of Jared were 962 years, and he passed away. Now, chanoch lived 65 years, and he had Mrs. Mishushelach lived the longest of any man, but we're going to discuss He's in Shabbos' portion. Then the next verse says, Chanoch walked with God for 300 years after having Mr. Shalom, and he had sons and daughters. All the days of Chanukh's life were 365 years. About a third of the lifetime of what we've been seeing, because the average man that we're enumerating is living over 900 years, approximately, and Chanukh lived 365, a little more than a third the next verse, and Hanukkah walked with God, then he was no more, for God had taken him. Now, this is very strange. Why did he live, relatively speaking, so briefly? And what does it say, God took him? Until now, it says he passed away, passed away, passed away. Let's say God took him. The Rashi explains, and, and all this seems so strange because it's praising Hanukkah that he's so righteous, he's walking with God, and yet he lives such a short life, and yet we're saying God takes him. What's going on? The Rashi explains that Hanokh was actually a very righteous person but he wasn't firm enough in his convictions to handle being in a world of complete evil. In other words, Hanuk was walking with God, but everyone around him wasn't. So for him to be able to survive such a world, he did it for 365 years. It pretty amazing. But God quickly, relatively speaking, removed him from the world, put him to death before his time so he would leave righteous. That's why it said God took him. God took him before his time because this is the only way he would maintain his righteousness. Now, Mr. Shelach, Hanukkah's son, lived 969 years. As I said, he was the longest man that we know of. I is don't tomorrow's portion, but just to understand what happened to him, it was a of years. He had a son named Lemach who lived 182 years who had a son named Noach. Lemach, Lemach lived 777 years. And then when Noach was 500, he had shaham and So if you figure out the math, which I'm not going to take the time to figure out for you, but I just think you should understand it. By the time... Now, these people were righteous. Hanoch was righteous, but wasn't able to handle it more than 365 years. His son, Mr. Shelop, was very, very righteous. And he was so righteous that he could stay in this wicked world for 969 years and not be effective. He outlived his own son, Lemach. So Lemach passed. Lemach was righteous. Had a son, Noah, who was righteous. Lemach passed away. Mr. Shalach is still alive. Noach, of course is still alive. And then Mr. Shalach passes away. Seven days after Mr. Shalach passed away, to give the world the opportunity to mourn for a very, very righteous saintly man, the flood begins. Which means at that point in time the only one left who was righteous was Nayach. Because all of his righteous ancestors, as Khanokh was righteous, passed away many years before. As Zushelach was righteous, God waited for him. The flood came seven days after his passing. As Lemach was righteous, he passed away before. So at this point, the only one righteous left from this righteous line of shapes is Nayach. And then we have, next parsha, the flood.